Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We know your life will be changed for the better by listening to God's word. If you'd like to know more about Trinity Beaumont or contribute to our ministry, please visit www.trinitybeaumont.com. Well, what's up, everybody? It's so good to be here. Uh, yeah, I know. It's, she's hilarious. I love my wife. Uh, it appears as though I lost my front lights. Does anybody know how to turn those on besides me? I mean, that's fair. If you'll go in there to the dimmer pack, one of the breakers flipped. It's pretty self-explanatory if, if you know what's what and you know where it's at. And then in, like, a couple of seconds, if we can, like, time this right, somebody can say, let there be light, and it'll like happen at the same time. But um, hey, welcome. Uh, it's so good to be here with you guys. My name is Pastor Andrew, and um, we are in the middle of a, an amazing series. How many of you guys have been enjoying this series? We need counsel, and we need guidance. And so we uh, ask your blessing on this time together, and we uh, pray and give you permission to help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Just, there we go. I'm back on. There still is no light. Um, it's the breaker on the far right. Nope. Turn the other one. Yeah, and now the other one. Let's keep going to the right. Yeah, over there. And turn them both on. Yeah, oh, it, back, back on. Yeah, there we go. Let there be lights. Open the eyes of the blind. I love that song. Hey, so like I said, we're in the middle of this series. Um, last week we talked about uh, the piece of our ministry we call Gather Groups and just really about how uh, when we do Gather Groups, we believe that we're called to do life together. How many of you guys believe that? Come on, aren't you glad that, that God hasn't called you to do life alone? That's good news. I'm so thankful that I don't have to do this alone. Um, and if you need somebody to come alongside of you, uh, please don't leave today without connecting with one of our amazing staff members or head back to the source and sign up for a gather group. You can get uh, committed and plugged into one of these life-giving communities, a uh, place where you can, um, like I said last week, get healed and offended. Because how many of you know that people will step on your toes? Um, and then uh, the week before that, uh, and the reason I'm going two weeks back is because we're going to be diving back into prayer again because week one, I talked about how uh, the piece of our, our ministry called prayer, which we, we take part and encourage you to do every Sunday morning, is so valuable because really at the basis of prayer is is the fact that it's a conversation that exists between you and the Father. And if you missed the first week, if you didn't take notes, I really encourage you to write that down uh, because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, when you pray. And so prayer should be something that takes place in, a, in a, anybody's life, um, whether you're a believer or not, people pray. Um, just, you know, get an airplane going down. you got people squeezing their armrests. Oh, God. They may not be a believer, but they'll still cry out to God. So Prayer is really at the foundation of the conversation that exists between you and your Father, not just you and God. And, and Jesus really gives us directive for that when you skip down to the ninth verse when he said, pray in this way then, our Father who is in heaven. 
And uh, you're, you're, that's, that's the verse right there. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. It's one of the most famous and well-known uh, prayers in the scripture. And, and it's a great one still to this day. Um, and I, I really do believe that with all my heart um, because there, there's just so much to be learned and known about, about this scripture and about this verse. And so as, as we get into um, talking about, um, about this piece of our ministry, um, I just really want to point out uh, the importance of your significance. It, maybe you don't have a, a good grasp or I haven't helped you gain a good understanding of what this series is about um, it, because it's so much more than just why we do what we do. Um, I, I've been trying to work from this thought that the church, we are made up of, of different pieces. So every person in here who is a believer, we make up the church. The church is not a building. It is a body of believers. Amen. And, and we are meant to fit together, to work together. And so to further, um, give understanding to this, this analogy, uh, I'd like to use very plain and simple a puzzle and and think about the fact that as the body is a global organization there are hundreds of millions of pieces of God's body around the world and so when you think about a puzzle that is that large it doesn't matter how important your piece is it still does not have as much significance okay I'm not trying to tell you that you're not important on your own what I'm trying to say is that your piece no matter how important or how invaluable you may feel has so much more significance and meaning when it fits together where it's supposed to be, right? You're not trying to crush a puzzle piece into a place where it doesn't belong. We want to we find the place where God is calling us to fit. And so this, this takes time. And, and please understand within, within this analogy uh, that sometimes you may feel like you're empty. Like sometimes there are night pieces within a puzzle that help give the surrounding picture significance because without the the sky that's filled in without the 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 different pieces of grass that fill in the 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 area of that puzzle that you're trying to put together and you're like all these grass pieces look the same well see that's not the truth it may look the same but each piece has its significance it has its own spot that only that piece can fit and so you are so important to the heart and to the plan of God and 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 certainly to this body because we are meant to fit together and work together as as God's body and so, again, as I, as I talk about a prayer, and I think a lot of us know that, that we should pray, right? We, we all were like, oh, I, I, I know that I should pray, but sometimes, and you don't have to raise your hand or, you know, um, crawl under a seat, but sometimes we fall short. Uh, the scriptures teach us this, and uh, you can look it up if you want to, but it's found in, in Romans somewhere. I didn't write it down, but it says that we all fall short. And, and, and you don't need a magnifying glass to look at your life to find those areas. And we don't need to put a mirror up either. We all know our shortcomings. It's, it's uh, one, of, one of the issues about being a human is that we, we sometimes can be very hard on ourselves. We can be very critical. And, and that's okay. I mean, I mean it, it's okay that sometimes you, you fail. And it's, I mean, I get it because I'm really critical on myself. But the reason I point this out is because that... When you fall short, when you fail, when you have shortcomings, don't let those things keep you from turning away from God, but instead allow those things to cause you to turn toward God. If you're taking notes, I want you to write, write this down, that, that when you do make mistakes, when you do 
fall, when you do fail, because you will. If you've lived for any amount of time and, and come to have this, this place, or not come to have, but come to this place where you've recognized that, that you fall and you fail, you have to come to terms with that and not just live in that place. Don't just accept the fact that you are a failure, because fail, be, failing doesn't make you a failure, Okay. And this is not a message about, about that, but there is certainly so much to be said about that fact that because even though you do fail doesn't make you a failure. And so, you know, whether you're going into a new semester this year or you're transitioning into a new home or a new job or, you know, uh, parental status or, you know, leaving a place where you thought you'd always be, um, you're going to fail because you, you don't know it all. You're not God, and that's okay. But what, what, you, what I do want you to take away from this is that, that when you fall, when you fail, when, when the mistakes come, don't stay in that place where you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm an idiot. I did it again. Like, my, my past is all I am is just a repeat. All I am ever is going to be is just all my, my history it says I'm going to be. Don't stay in that place where you you. You know what you do. You, you get on your couch, you turn on Netflix, you, you curl up in a blanket, you get out ice cream, and you don't pick up your phone, you don't text anybody. Don't stay in that place where the conversation stops. Instead, turn to God, okay? Don't turn away from God. When, when it happens, turn toward God, and it's going to happen. And, and I, the reason I note that is, is because I, I, I really have just been so familiar with that. There's a story in the Bible about this this. Uh, guy, um, the, the parable is listed as a prodigal son. It's found in Luke 15, and I'm going to paraphrase very loosely just for the sake of time because there, I, I want to keep this centralized around the thought and the, and the focus of having conversation, prayer with God. And so we have a father and we have two sons in the story, and I'm going to focus on the son who is a screw-up, who, who wastes it all, who messed up, who, who dragged his father's name through, through the mud. I mean, has is, is anybody in here ever been in a place like that where you, have, you had it all and then you messed everything up, right? Like we, I, I think for, for almost all of us, we've, we've all been there to some degree. But what's so interesting about this story, um, and there's so many things that are interesting, but one of, the, one of the things that is really interesting to me is that as soon as the son decides to turn toward his father, okay? So we're following this, instead of turning away, so he turned away and he followed his own way and he made his mistakes, he, he wrote his own story and he, and he figured out that whenever he followed his own way, that it led to devastation and destruction. Is, are, you, are you seeing the theme, the pattern here, that when we choose our own way, that all, all that ever is going to happen is just this, this place where we end up in trouble? And there's no way that you can save yourself from this trouble. If you would, then you wouldn't need a Savior. But we do, and thank God he sent Jesus. Amen? And so in this story, we have the son who turns toward his father, and as he's coming back to his father's house, we, we read in, in this passage about how he's playing out the scenario in his head. Because he said, even my, my father's servants, so I'll go back and be a servant in my father's house, but even I know that his servants don't go hungry. And, and this is the character and nature of, of our father. This is what we're supposed to see. The parallel that we're supposed to see here is the nature and character of our father here. And, and I, it's so wonderful. I love it so much. Because this, this is a display of our great God. He's so good. He doesn't know any other way to be than good, even to his servants. He, he thought, man, I have, I have wasted everything that my father gave me. I, I have ruined my reputation. I, it, it's, I just threw it all away for, for pleasures, for things that, that I liked, for things that entertained me. 
But I know that, that my father is so good that even the servants don't go hungry. Man, that's a, that's, that's a good word for somebody serving the Lord today. Come on now. You ain't going to go hungry. You ain't going to go without. God is faithful. Come on. All right. I'm going to keep moving on. And so he's playing out the scenario. Father, I've sinned against you. But what is so amazing in this story, oh, my gosh, it's so, so incredible. I pray that God gives you revelation of this because it's, it's, it's amazing. As soon as he reaches the top of the hill and there's a big winding snake driveway I see in my mind as he, as he comes across the, he's walking, you know, past all the servants. He's looking how well they're dressed and they're taken care of and, and, and they're managed well and they don't go without. And he's thinking, man. I'll at least be a servant in my father's house. And he's playing the scenario, and he's, I'm, I sinned against you, Father. I, I repent. I, like, I beg you, take me back. But as soon as he crosses the top of the hill, come on, as soon as he comes over the top, his father is not sitting there on the porch, mm, wagging his head. Oh, I knew you'd come home, son. I, I knew you'd get it together. You finally figured out that you a mess. That's all you ever going to be. And, yeah, that's, I'll let you be a servant. No, that's not the... That's not his, his reaction. That's not what our God does. That's not how he treats his children. Ooh, come on, somebody. That's not the way that he is with his children. Instead, what he does is he picks up his robe. He picks up his, the, 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 the thing that they wore, and, and he disgraced himself by doing this because men didn't run. He, he did the unthinkable. He, 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 he lost everything because he, he, he finally he said, my son, You've come back. I thought I lost you. See, what happens when we turn away from God is God is like, ah, you're not with me anymore. See, the reason that Jesus sacrificed his life is so that we could be together with God forever. It's not so that we can get the benefits of his house. Certainly that comes together with it. But, but the purpose is for the relationship. His desire is to be in relationship. And so, so please understand and know this, is that when we talk about prayer, when the Bible teaches us and talks about prayer, we are to see it through this lens of relationship. And the Father is on display here in Luke 15. When he runs to his Father, he takes off his royal ring, he puts it on his son's hand, even though he sold his own ring, Right? He takes off what's his, and he gives it to us. Come on now, somebody. Come on. He takes off what's his, and he gives it to us. He said, he said what's mine is yours. And, and, and then you have the other son who, who's been there loyal the whole time. And he said, look, everything that I have is yours. Don't you get it? The kingdom is ours to access with the name of Jesus. And, and, and so that's, that's the purpose. That's one of the purposes of prayer is to access the things of the kingdom for earth. Because in this prayer, doesn't Jesus say, on earth as it is in heaven? That's God's will to bring heaven to earth. Man, gosh, there's just so much that I could say on this, but i got to keep moving. Got to keep moving. And so even though failure is inevitable, Please remember that learning from your mistakes is optional. And the best place to do that is not to turn away from them, turn away from God and try to learn on your own. Man, go to God. In John 1.12, um, there's this, this amazing verse. And, and I, I don't hope to be able to get across everything in here, but 
uh, there's, there's certainly a couple things that I'd like to share with you guys. So in John chapter 1, verse 12, and this is the Amplified Classic Edition, uh, we read that, But to as many as did receive and welcome him, he gave them the authority, and in parentheses it says power, privilege, and right to become children of God. That is, to those who believe in, adhere to, trust in, and rely on his name. And then it goes on to say in the next verse, those who have been born again. So really, when you come to accept Jesus as the Christ, as the Messiah, okay, you're, you're, you're separating yourself from the world who believes that Jesus was, was a good man, who believes that Jesus was a prophet, and you're saying, no, I believe that Jesus is the great I am. He's the manifestation of the Father to me, and he's the only way. He's the only truth, and he's the only life. And he said to those, to those people, come on, who would call on the name of Jesus and believe that he's the only way to the Father, he said to you, I give you the right to be my kid, to be my child. And that's what gives us this place to say, instead of sitting here and wallowing in my regrets, instead of staying in this place and and beating myself up and, and trying to say, get it together. No, he said, no, you come to me because you're my kid. When you mess up, you come to me because what's mine is yours, baby. Woo, come on. I think that's worth shouting about. Hallelujah. He said he gave us the privilege and the right. Are you kidding me? You don't deserve that. You know what? Actually, your sh- the shame and condemnation tells you otherwise. And what I'm here to tell you is that the, the truth of God's word is final. It's absolute. It has a final say-so, and it needs to have the final say-so in your life when you do mess up, when you do fall short, when you go your own way, when you make mistakes. Don't stay in that place that, that would try, the enemy would try to come to you and keep you down and say, you don't deserve to go to the Father. You don't deserve to go to him in prayer. He doesn't want anything to do with you. You say, no, 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 I don't think so, Satan. See, that's my dad, because he said to those who, who believed in him, who received and welcomed him as the only son of God. He gave them the right to become his children. And so I'm going to take off those dirty rags. I'm going to take off those lies. I'm going to shake it off. And and I'm going to come boldly. I love what what Ephesians chapter 1, 7 says about this matter. About how how the fact that sometimes we get stuck in our transgressions, which is just a, a, a different word for sins or or a place that that we we uh, we can't get out of on our own, right? We this is the reason that God sent Jesus is because we we couldn't save ourselves, and it's the same reason I'm talking to you about how how in prayer we recognize that we fall short, we recognize that we need a Savior, and we say, God, we say, Father, I need you. That's really what's at the basis of what's happening here. But, but sometimes we need a little bit extra strength in our backbone to stand up and say, I'm not going to accept. I'm not going to tolerate. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to choose my own way. I'm not going to turn away. Instead, I'm going to turn toward. And what Ephesians 1.7 says is this. In him, come on somebody, in Jesus, not in your own strength, not in your own salvation, not in your own way. In him, we have redemption. Deliverance and salvation, right? Does anybody need saved from some stuff? Does anybody need a savior every day in their life? When you fall short, when you get out of the boat to try and walk on water, but you, but you start sinking, does anybody need a savior in their life right now? He said, in him we have this. Through his what? His blood. See, there's, there's just something to be said about the blood of the lamb. There's something to be said about the the blood of Jesus. And I know it's weird. I know it's funky. I don't understand it. And and it doesn't really make sense to me in my head. 
I don't comprehend all of it. But the fact of the matter is that we couldn't cleanse ourselves on our own. That we could not become worthy enough to become a son of God on our own or a child of God on our own, except that the blood of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Aren't you glad for the blood of Jesus? Because it's his blood. That's what this verse says. It says, through his blood, we have the remission and forgiveness of our offenses and shortcomings and trespasses, which is exactly what I'm talking about this morning. Because we do have those things, but by the blood, we have forgiveness. And so when those things try to come and knock on your door, when sin and Satan and all the hell show up, you don't deserve to go to God in prayer. You can't turn to God right now. There's a better word that knocks on that door, and his name is Jesus. And what he has is holes in his side and his hands and his feet. And he says, I spilled my blood for you, so you have the rights and the privilege to stand before the throne of grace. Come on, somebody. And that's exactly what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 4, verse 16. He said, therefore then, let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of God's grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor to us. What? Sinners. God knew that you were going to mess up. He knew that you were going to make mistakes. But he said, I still spill my blood for you anyway. I still call you worthy anyway. I still call you accepted anyway. And ain't no devil in hell have have the right or the privilege to tell you otherwise because the blood, come on, it speaks a better word. It shows up on the scene and it says, I've cleansed you. I've redeemed you. I've delivered you. Woo, come on, somebody. See, the message about prayer here is that God has paved the way with his blood for you to come and stand before him, for you to come and intercede, not just on your behalf, but those around you. He has come for, he's given you an opportunity so you can turn toward him instead of in shame and condemnation, having your back turned toward the Father. Because really, without Jesus, that's all you are left with is shame and condemnation, guilt and hell. And that's what you deserve. That's what we all deserve if it weren't for Jesus, if it weren't for his blood. And so these scriptures hopefully have shed a little bit of light on the fact that you you have every right to go to your God as, as his child and receive him as your father when you receive Jesus as his son. You see how this works out? That, that it was the only way. It was the only way. That's what the Bible says. That was the only way for him to get us back is to sacrifice part of himself, his son. And like I said, it's, it's weird. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't know why it had to be this way. I don't know why there had to be perfect blood, innocent blood, except for the fact that mine was never going to be good enough. Nobody could sacrifice. Nobody could become a sacrifice for my sake except for God. He was the only one. And, and, and so what this does now is it gives us the, the opportunity for us to turn toward him instead of away from him. And so if you're, you're taking notes, what I want you to write down is, is that, that matter of fact that, that it's because of what he did that gives us privilege and right and, and, and every, every, uh, everything. It does everything for us to come and stand before him, for us to turn toward him instead of turn away. And so I just really want to encourage you guys that, that no matter what you're going through, that, that you just would, would remember these scriptures that say, let us then uh, fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace. God's a merited favor to us sinners. And don't, don't say start far away from the Father. Live in that conversation with him where, you, where, he, where it's, 
you are coming close to him because you guys remember what James says, and I'm getting off script here, but James says that let us draw near to God because he draws near to us. When we draw near to him, he draws near to us. And I love the, the story of Elisha where it talks about how God passed by in a windstorm and a firestorm and an earthquake, but God wasn't in any of those. He wasn't in the, the supernatural, the, the miraculous. And we look for God, we're looking for signs. God, if you just paint a billboard for me, if you just, if you just send an angel across me, God, if you, just, if you would just open up my Bible to the right page. And he, he said, listen, I'm not in, in the big flashy. He said, what I'm in is a still, small voice. And God is wanting to speak to you, but you have to draw near to him. And that's what prayer is. It's an opportunity for you to draw near to your father so he can speak to you about the very issues that are pressuring you, that are giving you anxiety, that are driving you wild, your children, your job, your, your coworkers, your boss. I don't, I don't know what it is in your life, but God wants to speak a word in due season. Come on, somebody. But you got to draw near. you got to turn toward him. You can't turn away from God and expect him to speak. Come on, that's not the way that conversation works. That's not the way relationship works. you got to turn toward God. Tell your neighbor, turn toward the Father. But again, I digress as we talk about praying in service, praying not just for ourselves, but praying for other people. How many of you guys get nervous when we talk about prayer on Sunday mornings, about praying for other people? Come on, be honest. Don't lie in church. Yeah? Okay. We got one, two, three honest people, four honest people. I'll be praying for the rest of you. Listen, I am a pastor, and I have been doing this for a while, but I still get nervous about speaking, and I still get nervous about praying for other people, even though I know how to hear God good and well on my own. One of the things I noticed, though, over the past couple of uh, months is that um, when I pray with other people, sometimes uh, they do not pray in faith. And here's the thing about uh, prayer. If you come to God and you pray and you ask him something, but you don't have faith for it, you ain't getting squat. Tell your neighbor, you ain't getting nothing. If you don't pray in faith, if you don't have faith for what you pray for, so see, if you don't have the, the scriptures, you don't know that the blood of Jesus cleanses you, you don't know that you can draw near to God because all, the, all that you ever hear is you a mess up, you a mistake. But then, then you hear the word of God, the blood of Jesus cleanses you. And you're like, ooh, I get to come near. I'm gonna come on over, be with you, the Lord, because you, you love me even despite all my stuff. But in that place, you start praying for your coworker, you start praying for your job, you start praying for your family, and you ask and stuff, and all of a sudden you're like, well, see what happens. Well, that's not faith. Come on, somebody. How many of you guys know what, what Hebrews 11:1 1 says? Now faith is. That is present tense. Come on. That's not next year. That's not maybe someday. That's not maybe hopefully one day. I don't know what you're going to decide to do, Lord, but, you know, here you go. And I, I guess I'm just going to see what you do with that. No, faith is this place where we say, God, I believe that you're going to do it, and I'm going to stand in this place until it comes to pass because I don't care what it looks like. Come on. We have to be children of faith, the Bible teaches us. We have to be uh, his children that, that operate and move and act in faith. We can't be moved by what we see or what we feel. And so when we pray, it's got to be in faith. Here's the trouble with having faith for what you pray for. If it's not God's will, it ain't going to happen. 
So I don't care how much faith you got for a Lamborghini or, a, you know, whatever it may be that you got faith for. If it's not God's will for your life, it ain't, it ain't coming to pass. And that's just what the Bible says. So don't take my word at it. Go ahead and find it for yourself. Why don't I just tell you about it? John chapter 16, 23 and 24. And this is the message, so this is a paraphrase. But I really believe that this is at the core of what Jesus is saying to us. In John chapter 16, verse 23. He says, this is what I want you to do. Ask the Father. So God wants us to ask him for stuff. Come on now. If you got needs and desires, you have not because you ask not, okay? All right. Come on now. That was good. You have not because you ask not. You got to ask the Lord. Tell your neighbor, you need to ask him. He said, ask the Father for whatever is in keeping in my will, in keeping with the things that I revealed to you. Ask in my name according to my will, and it most certainly give it to you. Okay, one more time. I think, I think we can yeah, get some of y'all woo, right over your head. Ask in my name according to my will, and he'll what? He'll most certainly give it to you. Come on, somebody. This, there ain't no room for any doubt to creep on in there. There ain't no room for nothing else because God will what? He'll most certainly give it to you when you ask for things in faith in the will of God. Come on, man. This is good news. Well, listen, it's good news when you know what God's will is. That's, that's, what's, here, that's what's really at the core of this. And so I, you have to ask yourself the question, how do I know what God's will is? Well, I'm so glad you asked that question. Look, this really handy thing we have here called the Bible, it's canonized into 66 books, Old Testament and New Testament. And this whole thing from front to back is the will of God. And you know what? It's not a secret from you. It's a secret for you. There are secrets in you where God's will for your life to prosper you, to give you health, to give you life, to give you future, to give you an expected end. Come on, for your family, he said to all those who believe, their whole household will be saved. Come on now. See, the name of Jesus isn't good, just good news to you. It's the good news to everybody around you because he doesn't just change your life from the inside out and, and leave it like there. He said, I'm so good that your cup is going to run over and it's going to start spilling over onto other people around you. But you got to know that. Tell your friend you got to know that. You got to know God's will. And that's why we are, we are Bible-believing folk up in this house. Come on, somebody. Did you bring your Bible with you today? Because that is the will of God, and not just for your life, but for the world. And I'm not going to try and get off into a real deep tangent here, but I'm just going to help point out the fact of matter that God's will is not being established on earth as it is in heaven. Not yet, but it will be one day. And it will come to pass when you start operating in God's will. And it will come to pass when you start having faith in the prayers that you're praying. Because one of the questions we have to ask here is if every prayer that you prayed yesterday came to pass, what would the world look like today? What kind of prayers are you praying do you have faith in your prayers? Are you still standing on what you prayed for yesterday? For a miracle? For a breakthrough? For something to change? For something to move? He said, I've seen you do it before, God. You move the mountains. So I'm standing in faith because when you've done everything to do, you still stand. Oh, I think you missed your opportunity to stand. Come on. You ought to stand and shout about it. Come on, because it's coming to pass because it's God's will. It's not about what you want. It never has been. Because while you were still far away from him, he sent his son to die for you on a cross. While you were still his enemy, he loves you. He said, I see your worth. 
Even when nobody else calls, even when everybody else calls you worthless, I still call you accepted. When you are rejected by the world, he, I said, I love you. I call you redeemed when everything else says, it says no way. He said, I've delivered you from the pit of hell. I mean, what, what else do we, we have possibly to want than to be in our Father's arms? See, prayer, the biggest and most important thing about prayer is to know him. That's why it's all about conversation. That's why when I took you through 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, it said pray without ceasing because he said, I want you to know me. I want you to know my will, and I want to know you. And I know that's a crazy thought, and it doesn't make sense to me, and it's not like, like super theological in some ways, or at least on the, from the surface speaking. But that's really the truth of the matter is that God wants to know you. He wants to have a relationship with you. God, I, I just can't tell you that enough. It's got to become a reality to you. Here's the thing that um, Pastor Cameron always says to, to me when we talk about faith. He said, there can be no faith where the will of God isn't known. I think it was from dad, but uh, now you're our dad. And th that's just really the truth of the matter. And so you need to know what God's will is, and you need to have faith for what you're praying for. Because if you don't have faith for it, it's not, nothing's changing. And I know that's, that's like kind of like shocking to maybe some of you. But, but I want you to know that if you're going to be praying, your, your prayers aren't just falling to the floor. I want you to have prayers that are going to change the world. And so that's why it's so important that we, we get to know this, that we familiarize ourselves with this. Well, what is God's will for the world? What is God's will for my life? Like, you got to ask some questions about, about this. All right. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep moving. Um, the next thing I want to talk to you guys about is, is agreement. So first, we're going to turn toward God. Next, we're going to have faith for what we pray for. And we're going to find out what God's will is so we can have faith for what we're praying for. And the next thing we want to do is we want to, we want to have agreement. Because how many of y'all know we, we talk about prayer on Sunday mornings? And so we, I want to talk to you guys about the power of agreement. Because Jesus said this. In Matthew 18, verse 19, again, I tell you, if two of you on earth agree, that's that word, and uh, it puts in parentheses here, harmonize together, make a symphony together about whatever, anything and everything they may ask, it will come to pass and be done for them by my Father in heaven, because that's who we pray to. And there is a real amazing uh, truth in here. Can I get uh, Eileen? Where did she run off to? Oh... Oh, I was hoping that I could get them to come up here and play some instruments. Maybe they'll come up here in a minute. Okay, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the Greek word here because it, it, this, this will have to do with them if they come. If not, that's okay. You'll still understand a little bit of it. The Greek word for agree in this verse is symphoneo, and it means to agree together, to make a bargain, or come to an agreement. So the, the Greek word for that word agree is a symphoneo, and it's Greek from the word which the word symphony is derived, and a symphony orchestra combines many diverse instruments. Hey, Andrew, can I get you up here too? Thank you so much. Many diverse instruments under the direction of a skilled conductor to produce a beautiful musical masterpiece. If you would, just turn on, what, uh, play whatever you'd like to right now, and, uh, and then Andrew will come up, and, and um, I'm going to give him a different direction. 
its impact extends far beyond what any one instrument, okay, we got one, could achieve on its own. And this imagery paints a perfect analogy for the Christian community as God intended it to be. And so what's going to happen is the piano is playing right here, and it's, it's beautiful. I love keys on their, on their own. How many of y'all love Eileen? Come on, show us some love. And the guitar, the guitar is an amazing instrument. But Andrew, what I want you to do is I want you to disagree with her. I want you to start playing something on your own. Okay, all right, that's enough. <laughs> we don't need that picture much longer than that because that, my friends, is disagreement. No, keep playing, please. I just, I wanted to give you just a little bit of insight into what happened, what it looks like when you disagree with your brother and sister in Christ. But there's power in unity. There's power in agreement. Would you harmonize with her now and find out what key she's playing in? Check this out. As the, as the two of them agreed, did you, did you guys feel the atmosphere shift? Whew, that was powerful. Would you give it up for them? That, that's perfect, guys. That's, that's, that's all I needed you to, to do. What happened was that when they, when they started harmonizing, right, agreeing together, something supernatural took place. And what Jesus is trying to get across here, the point that he's trying to uh, explain to us is, is that when we agree, there is power in agreements. And so when we pray together on Sunday mornings, there is power in agreement for when you pray about stuff in your life, for when you pray about stuff that is happening in each other's life, when you say, I have faith to believe that God, God's will is for that to change. I have faith to believe that this is God's will for that to stay the same because I'm not gonna, we're not gonna see this go on any longer. God's gonna put a stop to this because that's not God's will in my life. I'm gonna agree. Come on, there's power. Come on, tell your neighbor there's power in agreements. And it's, I just think that's so amazing. Um, I'm looking at my time here because I don't want to go too much longer. I just wanted to share that with you guys because I just think that sometimes we, we get focused on our own sound. We're like, ooh, man, I look good. And we come up next to somebody else and they're playing something. We're like, mm, I wish you'd stop that because I sound better than you. We're like disagreeing with them because we're like, mm, I'm more important than you. And you get this like weird, funky sound that's emanating because the two of you are doing your own thing. And that's not God's will for us to always be doing our own thing. The will for God is this, that John 17, that we would be one as Jesus and the Father are one. That's his will for us, guys. And so really, even beyond what we're talking about for prayer today, at the core, the central theme and the heart of God is for us to come into agreement all with each other and say, you're more important than me. I'm going to come alongside of you. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to harmonize together. We're all going to start playing the same sound. We're all going to start talking about the same thing, love, loving God. I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to justify. I'm not going to turn away from God. I'm going to turn toward him. We're all going to turn toward God together. I'm going to drag you with me because we're going to come into agreement. We're going to harmonize. Anyways, that's a whole other message, but just, I'm just saying there's so much power in agreement. And, and I'm going to try and start winding this thing down um, in just a few minutes so uh, you guys can get ready. But I just want to talk about the power of presence for just a few minutes because how many of you guys know that when God shows up on the scene, things change? 
And I just want to point out the fact that, that since you're made in the image of God and his likeness, that your presence has the power to change things. And I, and I mean it for real both ways because I've been around some real, like, I'm not trying to, like, throw stones at anybody because I definitely used to be, be them, so I'll just, I'll just put myself in that. I used to be a real nasty person. And if I showed up on those scenes, things changed. Attitudes changed. People didn't always receive me. People didn't, people didn't warm up. But you know what? Um, we, we've all been around some people that are the opposite, that, are, that when they show up on the scene, man, their presence changes everything. And what I'm trying to prove to you here is the fact that we shouldn't just be praying for people. We should be praying with people. I, don't get me wrong. There's power in prayer, power in prayer on your own. But there's just so much more power when it comes to agreement, when it comes to showing up on the scene. Because all, all it really takes sometimes is just a word. And, and I'd even go further than that and say that, that it's a word that's backed up with action. See, because what I, what I think that we need to do is just take this thing to a whole other level. I, I just want to raise the bar. I want to raise the bar for you guys to come up to because I believe that God's calling us higher. I believe that God wants to see us go to the next level as a community of people. He wants us to set the standard for the world to say, that's what community should look like. Not take it from the world's model, not take it from the world's representation. And so this means that, that when, we, when we come into doing life together with other people, we're not just going to fall off. We're not just going to exit our way out of other people's lives when, when we, don't, we don't like what they say or we don't like what they wear or how they smell or what they do or where they go or don't go. What we're, what we're going to do is we're going to open the door for, for conversation we're going to open the door for, for prayer to come in, for, for God to say, have something to say about what we think. Hello. And then we're going to back it up with actions because actions speak louder than words. And so if you're praying in faith for something, you should be acting on it. And so if you're praying for faith with somebody else in agreement, then you should be acting on it. You should be checking up on them. Hey, I know we prayed about this. Have you, have you gotten a word about it? Has, has you gotten any direction? Or, hey, I know we prayed about this the other day. The Lord said something to me the other day, and, and I just wanted to reach out to you and just encourage you about what, what you're standing in faith for. See, the, the power in agreement should go so much further than just, amen. What a great prayer. No, get off your butt and do something. Hold your neighbor up when they're falling down. My God, pick them up out of the dirt. Get down there in the dirt with them. Get yourself a little dirty. Ooh, ooh, they're messy. It's messy down there. I don't, ooh, I don't, wanna, I don't know if I want to get that close with them. My friends, there's power in presence. There's power in presence. Tell your neighbor there's power in presence. I don't think I actually have a, a real scripture, but there's just so much scripture that, that talks about the fact that when God shows up, things change. And so what I'm just trying to prove to you is the fact that sometimes you need to show up. Sometimes you need to get in your car and drive over to the hospital or drive over to their house or, you know, go pick them up from jail or wherever it may be. You know, their friend's house that they shouldn't have gone over to and now they're in trouble. They, they got beat up or they, they got in some, you know, whatever whatever's happening because there's power and presence. Well, I'm going to pray for him. I'm not going to accept that call. Reject because I'm tired. I, I, I get, nobody's got time for that mess. No. No. It's time, my friends, that we as Christians, as followers of Jesus, set the standard just a little bit higher. Right? Let's actually go a lot higher, right? Because he's the standard. 
He's the measuring stick. He's the model. He's the example. And Jesus didn't, didn't play games. He didn't have time for any of that. He's, he, if there was trouble, he showed up on the scene. And when he didn't show up on the scene, you know what happened when he showed up to Lazarus? He got resurrected from the dead. He didn't just get healed. God got some real supernatural glory in that, that instance, in that story. And so sometimes God will have you do some things that are a little bit different, that are a little bit unorthodox. But you know what? He still shows up. He's still got something to say. He still picks up the phone. You know what? Maybe right now you don't have the time, but make time for him later. Maybe right now you don't have the perfect words to say, but maybe what people need is not somebody to say it's going to be all right. Maybe they need somebody to stand by them. Maybe they need a shoulder to cry on. Maybe they need somebody to listen to them because how many of y'all know we got two ears and one mouth? You got to be doing twice as much listening. I'm not trying to get on a high horse here. I'm just trying to say that, that the power and presence just goes so much deeper than just, I want to pray with you or let me lay hands on you. No, my friends, we're not just called to be the hands and feet of Jesus by raising the dead and, and walking with the sick and seeing them recovered and seeing blind eyes open. We're called to be friends to people that, that don't deserve friends, that are dirty, that smell bad. We're called to, to love and redeem people out of the dirt when they don't want to crawl out of them themselves. God. Oh. And as I close out here, I just want you to give thanks today. I just think that, that God wants to do something really supernatural and miraculous in your life. But I believe that the avenue that he wants to use is this prayer called thanksgiving. There are so many psalms that teach us about this. And I love what Hebrews also reiterates that we are to enter into his courts with praise and thanksgiving. And in the same scripture I used for uh, prayer last time. It goes on to say in verse 18, 1 Thessalonians 5, if you miss, miss it, that's okay. You can go back and listen to it if you really want to. But I talked about how we are to pray without ever ceasing. But in the next verse, it goes on to say, in everything. Come on, somebody say everything. Everything. And you know what? That's hard. Because I don't like giving thanks for my friend who's, who's mean, who's a butthead, who's rude. I don't like giving thanks for the, the situation that I feel like the Holy Spirit, you led me into this mess. We are here because of you. I don't want to give thanks to you for right now. I don't want to give thanks in this season. But he said in everything. Yeah. For this is what? What were we talking about earlier? It was like something about God's like, he has like, oh, his will. Oh, in everything give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. As we get ready to sing the song, I, I, can I get you guys to stand up on your feet? Can we just, can we just start thanking God for, what, for what's around us? You know one of the biggest and most important things I think we ought to thank God for is where we are right now. I think so many of us get trapped in this place where we are looking around the next bend. We're thinking, when I graduate, when I get that pay raise, when, I, when this season is over, God, when the sickness finally stops attacking my body, God, God, when the, when the world is, is, is finally not upside down, God, when, when my, my children are grown, when my family is healed, God, then I'll give thanks. He said, no, no. Right now, come on, I think somebody ought to start thanking God for where he has brought you to. Come on, he's faithful who promised. I said he's faithful who promised. God, thank you. Thank you for being enough. God, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for the blood of the Lamb. God, thank you.
Listen, guys, I know this can be really hard to do, but I was just reminded of this, this song, Hillsong released just a little bit ago. It talks about another in the fire. And you see, that's the biggest reason we have to give thanks for is that he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. Come on, there's another that was standing in the fire with you. There's another that is right now in this very season, no matter how hurt, no matter how broken, no matter how put together, no matter how perfect you think you are, it doesn't matter to him where you measure up because we all fall short. We all miss it. And he said, don't worry about it because I'm never leaving you. Come on, I think that's reason to tell him thank you. Thank you, God. We're so grateful. And I'm so grateful that you're so faithful and you're my Savior, strong and true. And I'm so grateful that you're so faithful and I place all of my trust in you. You're so so grateful that you're so faithful and you're my Savior strong and true and I'm so grateful that you're so faithful and I place all my trust in you my trust in you, Lord. I put all my trust in you, Lord. 
There's nothing like the prayer of thanksgiving. There's nothing like this place of, of singing praises and glorifying God. But the reality is that we can't stay here because there's power and presence. And what I'd like to do is just pray for you guys before we get ready to dismiss because I believe that God wants to um, give you a measure of his presence for the battles that are at hand, for the present circumstances and situations that are in your life. So if you'd like to just extend your hands and, and uh, reach them out to heaven in, in a position to receive. God, thank you for your spirit. Thank you for the measure that you've given to us. God, thank you for being enough. God, I pray and ask that, that even though you're everywhere, sometimes we forget it. And I pray and ask that you would make your manifestation to us real. God, we thank you for being enough. God, we thank you for where you brought us to. But God... We know that the best is still yet to come. So thank you for where you're taking us. But God, in this, in this present circumstance, in this present situation that we're in, we know you're enough. But we're asking, would you still come and do what only you can do? Make yourself real to us, God. Show up where we need you, God, because we need you. Come on, would you tell them today, God, I need you. Come on, and from this place, if you'd all just uh, sit down for just a second as I get ready to dismiss, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray just one more time, but I'd like to ask a question today. If there's anybody here who would say that you don't know Jesus, plain and simple, you say, you know what, I, I've heard about Jesus. I, 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 people say things about him, and, and people maybe represent him, but this guy that you're talking about, Andrew, that the one that would stand in the fire with you, the one that would hold back the waters, I want him to be real in my life. And with, with every head bowed and every eye closed for the simple respect of uh, those in the room who would maybe be in this position, what I'd like to see is that if that's you today, if you'd say that I want to come to know Jesus, or I want to come back to know Jesus. Would you just lift your hand right now where you're at? You'd say, you know what? I've walked away from Jesus, but you're saying that we need to turn toward God. You've got your hand lifted right now because you're making an open declaration to say, I'm choosing Jesus today. I see that hand right there. Thank you. I see that hand. You can put that down. That's perfect. Thank you guys so much. If you're online, if you're watching online, I just need you to comment on there so we can, we can direct message you so we can get in contact with you. So we can have this, this point of contact where we can come in faith to say, yes, today was your day of salvation. Yes, today was your day where, where you decided and you chose Jesus. You can open up your eyes. You can look back up at me because I want to pray one last prayer today before we get ready to dismiss. And it's just, it, it's listed as a prayer of salvation. But what's really going to have to take place here in your heart for those of you who, who lifted your hands and, and really... For those of us who didn't, this is the daily declaration for all of us because what really has to take place in order for Jesus to save you, in order for him to become your savior, is that he has to become your Lord. And so what you're going to have to decide to do is turn away from following your way to say, God, I'm choosing your way. So if you just repeat after me, say, God, I'm choosing your way. I repent from following my way, from thinking I knew best. And today, I'm choosing Jesus. 
Come on, say, I'm choosing Jesus today. And I'm never turning back. Thank you for welcoming me into your home. Thank you for loving me. It's in Jesus' name that we pray that prayer as well. And all of God's people didn't just clap, they shouted, amen. And they thank God. Come on, all of heaven rejoices over even one person turning to God. And if that was you today, if you uh, raise your hand and you prayed that prayer, what I want you to make sure you do before you leave is grab that blue card out of your seat back. It says, I've decided. And maybe you're in here today and you say, you know what? There's something else on that blue card that I want to decide to do. Maybe you're in here today and you say, you know what? I've prayed in the Holy Ghost today. I've prayed in other tongues. I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but I've fallen away. And I'm not sure I know how to get to that place. There's an option for you to pray or an option for you to decide that you want to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues. And you can check that box off and we can get together and we can have a conversation on steps moving forward. And then there's another step that's really great. And if you decided to follow Jesus for the first time today, you absolutely have got to do this. It's a command of Jesus and it's the most wonderful thing. It's one of the most wonderful things you'll ever decide to do and it's to get baptized. It's an expression of your faith outwardly where you say, I- I'm never turning back. And that's, that's really what our shirts say, that I'm no turning back because I've decided, Jesus, only Jesus. Come on, only Jesus. He's so good. Well, we always dismiss on this note. I hope to see you guys next week. I hope to connect with you guys over uh, our gather groups this week. But as always, let's do the, the mandate of, of the house that God's given us. Let's love God. Love people and lead well. You guys are dismissed. Have a great week. God bless you.